There's a term that I have always found very useful in helping us to understand, or helping me to understand why Jesus did what he did. The term is helicopter parenting. I don't know if you've ever heard of helicopter parenting, but for those of you who've never heard of it, I'll just give you a quick definition. Helicopter parenting describes parents who are so obsessed with their children that no matter what problem they get into, the parents hover, thus the name helicopter, the parent hovers over the child to make sure to iron out any problems and to make sure that there's no, nothing standing in their way so that there's almost no consequences for what they did. But the parent is always there hovering and bailing them out. That term, helicopter parenting, and its meaning describe perfectly what God the Father did not do. Let me explain. When I was in high school, I, I went to a Catholic high school in Denver, Colorado. And I was taught, my mom and dad were extremely uh, heartfelt Catholics. And I was taught from the time I was a little kid all the time through high school about Jesus and about his death on the cross. But I never got it. And the question, the, 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 the statement that kept on coming to my mind was this. Why'd you do that? Why did he do that? Now, there's the easy answer. He, he did it because he loves you. But that never made any sense to me. I had never met the man. I had, I, 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 how do I know he loves you? Now, I guess he's, he's God. He loves me. But why couldn't he just, why couldn't he just love me in another way? Why did he have to do that? And it made no sense to me. Until I grew up, because you see, the problem with our faith, with Christian faith, is that even though it can be in some ways explained to children, you really don't get it until you have, well, you don't get it until, until the Holy Spirit begins to explain it to you, even if you hear it explained by people. So I'm hoping that even though I'll try to say something about it, that it'll stay in your head until the Holy Spirit decides to make it clear to you. You see, it made no sense. How does a man's death 2,000 years ago in the Middle East have anything to say about me? The problem, of course, is this, and allow me to give you the best understanding that I have because this has helped me tremendously. You see, 
I have often said this to you before. The whole notion of salvation makes absolutely no sense unless you are in trouble. I mean, if somebody says, I'm here to save you, if you do not perceive that you are in trouble, you, the offer can be met with some sort of superficial gratitude that it's nice of you to think of me, but thank you, but no thank you. I don't need you. I'm fine. Which is how most of us, until the Holy Spirit lets you see, most of us react. I, I don't know if you've seen the statistics lately, but the nuns, and what I mean by nuns, I don't mean N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, are the highest, great, the highest number of religious growth in the United States, or shall I say non-religious growth. When people ask, what religion do you belong to? Over 35% now say none. It's grown up tremendously over the past years. And I get it. I get it. I get it because we no longer live in a society that provides any kind of social support to remain Christian. If you were a Christian just for the sake of that's the way you were brought up, society encourages you not to stick with what your parents taught you because they consider it silly. It's only when you begin to experience that being human is being a part of a group called humanity that is condemned to suffering and death. And that you are condemned, as well as me, of course, you are condemned to desiring happiness and you will never find it. Oh, please don't get me wrong. You'll find periods of it, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter periods of happiness. But when you experience inside yourself the question, well, ask yourself, how long do you want to be happy? How long do you want to be happy? A year? 10 years? 20? 40? And I think you'll get to the point of saying no to all of those because in your heart of hearts, you don't want happiness to end. You want to be happy forever. And that's not possible. Given the situation that we're in right now, we are not, it's not possible. Lately, I've been walking with a man who just lost his wife. To see him go through the suffering, to see him ask the question, God has always been so good to me. 
Why did this have to happen? Because he had a tremendously happy marriage. And from one day to the next, his wife had a heart attack and died. Why? I'm walking with another friend of mine who is facing severe cancer and the struggle whether or not to continue chemotherapy or not. I had lunch today with another very good friend, actually a friend of mine who was married to my cousin. And she had a horrible death of cancer. And I could see the tears in his eyes. And, and it's only when you begin to see the suffering around you and you come to realize that your number's coming up. Your number's coming up. There's not a single one of us that's getting out of this world alive. And I hear the process is not fun. And so you, you, you experience this questions. I want to be happy. And I have been happy. But you know in your gut that any day and any moment, you could lose it. And not only could you lose it, sooner or later you will. And so the question comes up. Anything done about it? Is there any hope? Or are we just condemned to walk around making believe that we're all okay and trying to make believe that it's not going to happen, at least not yet, and put it out of your mind? Once read a book where the, the, book, the book's title was Entertaining Ourselves to Death. That's because that's what we do. And if you think about it, people say, oh, stop thinking about that. I don't want to talk about that. Don't be so morose. All they're trying to do is whistle past the graveyard. <clears throat> but you see, Christians are people who don't do that. We don't make believe that it's not going to happen. And so the only answer is, are you going to face it? And when you face the issue of your own death and the death of every single person and every single thing that you love, when you really face it, you have two choices. You find some way to deal with it or you kill yourself, get it over with. A lot of people deal with it through alcohol, drugs, sex, fun, anything to keep you from thinking about it, especially those moments when you're alone and you can't escape it. So the question is, how did we get here? We got here through something that the church calls original sin. Original sin is that fact that we have been disconnected from, from the one who gave us life. 
we are disconnected from him. And because we're disconnected, we are faced with this predicament of suffering and death. The question then becomes, is there any rescue? Is there any salvation? Because we are in deep trouble. And that's when helicopter parent comes in. You see, God is not a helicopter parent. He is not hovering over us saying, you don't have to worry, I'll take care of it all and just wipe it away. He doesn't do that. There's a great theologian whose name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor who was very strong in speaking against Hitler. He was arrested. <clears throat> he managed to evade the SS until almost three months before the end of World War II. But they arrested him in just two weeks before the Allies <clears throat> took over and defeated the Germans. They took him out in the middle of the winter naked and in a snowy field they hung him with a wire. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said something that I have treasured. He said, being a Christian is not about cheap grace. The concept of cheap grace. By cheap grace, Bonhoeffer meant a helicopter parent who would say, oh, you poor little boys and girls, you got it all, you're all in trouble. Let me come and take you out of it. I'll make everything okay. And it doesn't cost you anything. Therefore, cheap grace. I can do it. That's not God. And then, then comes Jesus and that Jesus. Jesus, it's interesting. I was just thinking about this today. I just thought about this today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have you ever thought about the order of that? Why don't we say you are, I am the truth, the, the way, and the, and the life, or the, I am the life, and the truth, and the way? Why do we always say I am the truth, the, the way, the truth, and the life? And it makes sense now. You see, <clears throat> Jesus came to us to show us the way to face up to the truth in order for us to be able to find life. He came to show us the way to the truth, to face the truth, to be able to find what we all want, life. And how did he do that? He came to allow, allow humanity and say to us basically, I'm not taking you out of this. You all got yourselves into this, and I want you to face up to it. I'm not taking you away from your suffering. I'm not creating a Disneyland for Christians. But if you want life, follow me. But if you can't carry your own cross and follow me, then you can't be my disciple. 
You see, the whole point of why God allowed Jesus to be crucified, because remember, Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And I, I know God the Father did not want Jesus to be crucified. God's Father basically saying, if I can presume speaking for God without being struck by lightning, I think God the Father was basically saying, I don't want this to happen to you either. But we have to let it happen. Because you are helping humanity face the truth of their own evil. And not just erase it like a helicopter parent. But to face the truth. And through facing the truth of evil and sin. Allow me to conquer death. And so Jesus allows himself to be crucified in order to face the human evil that we brought upon ourselves in order for us to find the truth of ourselves so that we may find life. That's what's going on. And it's summed up in this. Jesus came to give us the way to face the truth so that we may find life. He came to, find, to give us the way not to run away from the truth of our own sin, to find us the way to face the truth, the truth of our own sin, so that we may find life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's as best as I can understand.